Well, good evening, everyone. We're talking about the virtue of fortitude, also called courage. Think of the cowardly lion and the Wizard of Oz, courage. A virtue. It's actually, in many ways, the starting point of virtues because we, as human beings, recognize what's unique to us is this thing up here, our bone box, our minds, that our actions are not just simply reactions, right? We see, you know, I've seen a lot of videos of people scaring animals, right? Sneaking up behind them or putting something down next to them that they didn't expect. And they turn around and they jump and we all have a good laugh because they're just simply reacting to a perceived threat. They're springing back from it. As human beings, we can do that too. There are moments where things startle us. There are things that happen to us suddenly and we react. But what makes us human beings truly human is that our actions are controlled. And they're controlled, like I said, by our thinking, our reason. So, fortitude. One of the four, we call them, what, what are they? Four cardinal virtues because they're all colored red, right? No. <laughs> they're cardinal because they're hinges, they're vital, they're what everything hangs on. And so it's called a cardinal virtue because fortitude is really our response as human beings to this world we live in. That we don't just simply, like I say, like animals simply react out of instinct, but we can think and we can control our actions. So fortitude especially deals with tough stuff. Easy stuff, not much of a virtue required to eat chocolate cake. <laughs> Maybe eating only a certain amount of it, but that's temperance. That's a different virtue. But what if I really like chocolate cake? And so even temperance, eating just that little piece is really hard. Well, I see I'm going to need some help. That temperance gets its extra kick it's extra power by fortitude, that strength to do what is difficult. Now it can be difficult in a couple of different ways. It can either be something really good that's hard to get to. Do I have the courage? Do I have the determination? The, and we'll hear all these ancillary, all these handmade virtues uh, of fortitude. Do I have all of those things for me to reach that good thing that's hard to get to, or by the same token, do I have the fortitude, the bravery, the courage to withstand some evil thing, some bad thing that I have to endure for the sake of the good? For example, you think about firefighters, that they say, I'm going to go towards the fire. Fire is not particularly good. It's great for marshmallows and hot dogs, but not good for me. <laughs> I don't survive long. So 
I, that's, I'm facing a danger. It's hard. It's evil. It's not good. But to save somebody inside, I'm willing to endure that hardship. I've got the courage to face it because of a greater good, namely saving a life. So fortitude then is a virtue, which is what's a virtue? It's, remember my really simple definition of a virtue is just two words. It's a good habit. It's a good habit. Good habits mean that we've done them over and over again and they become second nature. Again, our reason can take possession of these things. They're not just oopsies and they're not accidents and they're not reactions. They're things that we can put our minds to. So it's a good habit. It's a good habit that allows us to endure hardship, a difficult good, or to resist evil for the sake of the good. And not just any good. Chocolate cake is good. Like I say, to resist eating an entire chocolate cake, temperance, yes, maybe I need a little strength, a little courage, a little reinforcement. Not really. <laughs> not much there. But when we talk about facing possibly being put to death, for our faith in Jesus Christ. I want you to deny your belief in our Lord. Or, I'm sorry, not our Lord, your Lord. You know, deny him. We say, no, we've seen that. The martyrs, men and women who were put to death for the sake of the gospel, that requires a lot of fortitude. And the beautiful thing about it is if we're willing to face the most difficult hardships, for the sake of the good, then the little stuff doesn't matter. If I can lift a thousand pounds, just think of that, wow, I can just pick up a thousand pounds with one hand. Can I pick up three pounds? You think if I'm capable of lifting a thousand pounds, am I capable of lifting three pounds? Yes, hello. <laughs> Hello, fortitude also means sitting through tough talks. <laughs> of course. So the point of fortitude is to aim high, not just simply to exist, but to excel, which means we're willing to face the greatest difficulties for the greatest good. We're not talking about, you know, sitting through my older brother's piano recital, you know, plank, plank, oops, plank, oops, <laughs> right? You have to sit there for a half hour. Uh, no, worse having to sit through one of my recitals, but no, the, we're not talking about that stuff. We're talking about living the life of Christ, living a life united to our Lord when there are so many things, so many circumstances that want to pull us away from it and we fail in that regard. That this is where fortitude plays such an important role. Now virtues, we always say, are in the middle and Deacon will talk about if we fall off on one way too much or we fall off the other way too little. But I'll just mention them here. The alternative to fortitude too little is cowardice. We run away. Now fear is natural. Fear is a response. It is a natural response to a threat, 
to a threatened evil. And that's an emotion. It's something that we immediately feel. Right? A car racing down the street straight at me is going to make me be afraid. <laughs> All right? That's not the issue of feeling fear. But it's my reaction to it. And it's my way of how is it that I respond to these things. So fear itself isn't cowardice. Cowardice is really much, it starts with fear. We're certainly not liking this thing that's in front of us, but we run away from something that we really should be standing up to. And it begins, like I said, it's what makes us human beings. To run away from life is not an answer. Life, you know what? Life still keeps going, even if we <laughs> try to run away from it. It's still there. So fortitude says cowardice isn't an answer. Running away, being afraid is a natural response. But remember, we're not instinct people. We don't just live in our reactions. We have a mind. And so I can still feel fear, but I'm not going to respond to it by an instinct. I'm going to respond to it with a virtue, with my mind in control. And I can face this hardship. All right. Now, the other side of it is what we call daring. This sort of, I'm so brave. Watch me. I will climb up and dance on the cross on the top of St. Agnes Church. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, idiot. <laughs> what are you thinking? That sort of indifference to fear. That's not healthy either. Fearlessness is foolish. It doesn't use reason. Reason recognizes a legitimate threat and responds accordingly to it. So these are the things we try to avoid. We don't want to be cowardly. We, yet by the same token, we don't want to be brazen and, fool, and foolhardy. But it means then fortitude to stand our ground in the face of difficulty, whether it be because there's a greater good we're seeking to achieve, so we have to deal with, deal with a little adversity, or we recognize that there's just a lot of steps involved to get to this good thing, this really good thing, to live the Christian life. There's a lot of little steps that have to be observed. It takes time, so it takes endurance, which is also a part of fortitude. So, as Father continues and Deacon continues, just think of that, that the virtue of fortitude is how we as human beings, with minds to control our actions, step out into the world, especially the difficult things in the world. Thank you, Father McConville. And now I'm going to speak about some of what are called the ancillary virtues. It's a nice big fancy word for servant or maidservant virtues. Virtues that are very much related to fortitude or courage. For example, one of them is industriousness. We often think of industry like big business. It's a big business that has, you know, smokestacks bellowing smoke out there and you hear, um, you know, a lot of machinery whizzing away. You might think, well, how's that courage? Is it courage getting near all of the instruments or in any of the machinery? No. Industriousness means getting your hands dirty. You know, when your alarm goes off, that means waking up. 
That takes courage to show up to do the work. Very often, people only want to do the work if they know they're going to get a reward they like and they know they're going to be successful. I, look, this is a temptation for a lot of people. Sometimes we don't want to have the courage to be industrious now for a benefit that we won't experience for a while. I'd like to talk about the principle of the farm, it's called. And boys and girls, this is something you and I need to be aware of. The principle of the farm. Can I, in Minnesota, right now, you might have noticed I had a garden. Uh, if you ever walked by the backyard, you might have noticed this year was corn. I just want to let you know, the squirrels were more industrious than I were, was. Uh, they managed to get most of the corn. Uh, I managed to have one or two corn on the cob, and that was it. They got to a lot of it, and they only liked a little bit of each one. It was amazing. Uh, they were very industrious in a destructive way. But if I tried to plant a garden now, what would happen? Yeah, it wouldn't even germinate. It might germinate on a day like today, just barely, and then die. A cold, frozen, and almost desiccating dry death. It would be over. Industriousness means that you are doing your work and you have the courage also, in a sense, wait for the reaping. It doesn't always mean instant reward. And that's something very difficult, boys and girls. A lot of time we say, oh, I want milk. I'm going to the refrigerator. Let's not forget the kind of strength needed to plan. Your parents had to buy the milk. They had to work. Buy the milk. Buy the refrigerator. And put it into the refrigerator. You open the door. Get the milk. Pour it. Drink it. The industry involved with your drinking the milk is a whole lot less than the industry in bringing the milk to us. And again, that does take a kind of strength. It takes strength, especially when it comes to learning. You have to show up, be attentive. And it takes strength to overcome our temptation. Boys and girls, we have a serious temptation to sometimes want to coast. Now, speaking of coasting, this is why the next one, uh, magnanimity, uh, magnanimity, rather, sorry, and also I think they're both related, magnificence. One means large of soul. If you hear the word animus is in there, man, uh, animus and mania together. And the other is magnificent, magnificence, which means doing great things. They both go together. In other words, boys and girls, this is connected with what I would say is the virtue of piety as well. Do you want to do great things for God? Or you just want to barely make it to purgatory? It does take fortitude to say, I'm going to do great things for God. Not for the recognition, not so that I'm declared a saint here in this world. It's more important to be a saint than to have anyone find out that you're a saint. It takes courage to say, I will even risk failure. I'm going to give you an example. Cardinal John Henry Newman, who is now a declared saint, 
he wrote a great book on what it means to be a university. So he set out to start out a Catholic university. And guess what? It was a failure. But we still read his book. He still, though, is helping others who have been successful in founding universities by giving them the idea and the encouragement, it's worth doing. We have to take the risk. Parents, is it somewhat risky to have children because they might break bones, right? They might be disobedient. Sometimes, I never ever want any of you to say this, but sometimes children say, I hate you. I hope they don't mean it, because remember, that can be a deadly sin if you actually mean those words. You can hate evil. You can hate evil. You can hate the devil. You're just not allowed to hate another human being. You can dislike them. That's another issue. Uh, but the whole point is, it is risky, correct, to love and to welcome children because there might be difficulties. But guess what? You have a large soul, magnanimity, with your spouse, and you're going to take that risk to do something great. And you know what? Having children is a great thing because you are allowing God to bring other souls into this world. I'll never forget my favorite book when I was young. I liked rabbits. I like rabbits now too, not just because they look nice and because they're nice to pet. I like, I appreciate their taste now. I, I appreciate them in a more holistic way. But when I was younger, I just liked them in the petting way. My favorite book, I don't remember the title and I can't find it anymore. So it must have been destroyed accidentally at home because uh, normally we kept all of our books. But it was about a baby rabbit who everyone is saying, what are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to do when you grow up? And he's listening to everybody. You're going to be a fireman. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And he goes, I want to be a daddy rabbit. And the last picture is him tucking in, you know, uh, six girls in a bunk bed and six boy, you know, rabbits in a bunk bed. Uh, you can tell because it's red and pink or whatever. I don't remember. Blue and pink or I don't know, whatever. Uh, but I just remember thinking that left a huge impression on me. It's not just a matter of what your work is, but you're welcoming other souls into this world. And that is a great thing. Never ever be frightened of failure if you're doing something good. Uh, Saint Teresa, uh, Saint um, uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta said, God is not asking us to be successful in everything we do. He's asking us to be faithful. And that means to trust in him to keep praying. Next, patience. Patience, the very word itself means actually to suffer. Now, suffer doesn't mean just like everything's agony, but that means to have something done to you. That's why somebody who goes to the hospital is called a patient because the doctor is working on them. The patient's not working on the doctor. It's the other way around. The doctor and nurses are working on and for and with the patient, and the patient has to put up with the needles the temperature, the hourly checks, trust me, it is hourly. Uh, they have to put up with the beeping, the sound, all of these things, and the food that is less than adequate in order to make sure that they hopefully can recover their health. Yeah. Wake up calls, exactly. 
Now, God wants us to face these difficulties with patience, and it does take courage, because that means I have to wait in order for the good of someone else. I have to put up with something difficult. Now, in the hospital, you can't go anywhere, but boys and girls, your moms and dads have been very patient with you. They were patient to help you to learn how to say something. You know the family joke? Anytime somebody asks for ketchup in my family is what I accidentally used to call it because I couldn't pronounce ketchup very well. I don't know why. Please don't laugh too much. But I, when I was very young, I said jabich. I couldn't say ketchup. I have no idea why. And now even my sister-in-law says, I said, oh, can I have the ketchup? He goes, oh, do you mean jabich? <laughs> Who told her? Who told her? Um, now, mom and dad were patient with me as I learned to blow my nose, right? As I learned to do other things, you know, uh, use the bathroom. As I learned how to make my bed, that required patience. That takes courage because that means spending more time when you could be doing other things, just allowing yourself to be with somebody else who needs to learn something takes courage. Last but not least, least perseverance. Perseverance basically means that you keep trying. You don't give up. Another famous way to say this is stick to You stick to it. Don't give up. I learned from my dad how not to call a professional grinder to grind the stumps of trees that we cut down. My dad taught me how to dig around the tree, under the tree, get the hose and wipe the sand or the dirt off the roots, and then with an ax, cut the roots. The toughest one is always the tap root if the tree happens. Not all species have a tap root. Trust me, those are the most difficult and then to tie a chain around it and pull it out with a car because that's what my dad liked to do and i'll never forget a couple projects where i remember learning to have the strength to keep doing it i couldn't find the roots i was dealing with very difficult mixture of sand and um, clay and let me tell you sometimes when it gets very difficult you know you can't if you have all these roots, you can't get your shovel in there. And I was picking away with my hands. Like, what is holding this thing up? I had cut just about everything. And I thought I had, you know, figured out there was nothing underneath. Well, there was one more huge root. But it took me hours to find it. Don't give up. When it comes to growing in virtue, like Father spoke about, growing in a good habit, learning a good habit, boys and girls, that takes perseverance. Don't give up. You need the strength to say, I was doing really well at minding my tongue and not calling somebody a bad name for a week. I, I failed today. I will start again tonight. And you keep working at it. That takes strength and courage. And so now it falls to me to talk about... Uh, the opposing uh, vices or traits of virtue, the virtue of fortitude, and also how to cultivate fortitude. And then I'm going to conclude by talking about a couple of examples from saints who are uh, 
whose days we're going to be celebrating, well, one of them today we celebrated, and one of them who's not actually in our Roman calendar, but he's an Old Testament saint. And his big day is in a couple of days now. Judas Maccabeus is an Old Testament saint. So very, very well. As Father McConville had said about uh, each of, the vir- each of the virtues, you know, we're used to thinking, well, there's a virtue and then obviously a vice would be its opposite. But it's not that way. Each virtue is really the mean between two opposing vices that not only oppose that virtue, but they oppose each other. Um, and so, as uh, Father McConville was talking about with, uh, with, with fortitude, the opposing vi- vices of courage or fortitude is cowardice on the one hand, the cringing fear, there's a natural fear, but giving in to that fear might be the vice of cowardice. But on the way opposite extreme is the vice of foolhardiness, just charging out without fear. And, uh, um, and it's like that with all of the virtues. I mean, think about love, right? What's the opposite of love? Well, there's hatred. But there's also apathy, not feeling anything for what, for what other people, uh, for other people's goodness, good. Um, hope. What are the opposite vices of hope? On the one hand, there's despair. Oh, it can never work out. But the other opposite is presumption. I don't need to worry and just keep charging ahead. It's like that with all of the virtues. There's these opposing vices that are not only opposing the virtue itself, but they oppose each other. The thing about fortitude, we've talked about this, fortitude with, with each of a, a, a virtue is a, is a habit that you work at. And fortitude, we talk about sticking to it, working on it, because courage doesn't come naturally. Our natural response to a threat of any sort is, a most basic response is fight or flight. And flight, if you can, is the easy course, right? To get out of the way of it. Where fortitude, courage comes in is training yourself to face the difficulty. Do you think soldiers know how to face an enemy in wartime without training? They would be terrified and run. And you see this in, if you read history, you know, the the untrained raw recruits just breaking and running and consequently getting wiped out by the trained and skilled troops who have trained themselves. They're still feeling fear because they're human beings, but they've trained themselves to respond in a particular way. Same thing with police officers. Police officers train themselves so that they can respond to a particular, uh, a particular threat. Where the rest of us, if we're faced with that threat, we might just freeze. No matter how much we think about, oh yeah, I could be brave. Sure, I could face that. When we actually face it, we fail because we haven't trained for it. I study karate. I've never had anybody take a swing at me. But I train for that one time in my life when somebody might, so that I know what to do. And so when we're growing in a virtue like fortitude, we need to work and work and work and work at it. So that it isn't, because if, 
If we leave it to chance, we're more than likely to fail. We have to work at it. Um, C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite uh, writers, a Christian writer from the 20th century, is to talk about stock responses. That is, training these responses so that they come so naturally, because if you don't train them when the moment comes, you'll have nothing. We do that when we train ourselves to respond to a, to a, 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 a temptation, because we can talk ourselves into anything if we're presented with it. All right, so um, cultivating the virtue of fortitude, but there's also good news. There's that physical, you know, uh, natural human training and courage. That's a, this is one of those natural cardinal virtues. But the good news is it's also one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so in addition to training and working so that we can have the right response to the, the, the danger, we can rely also upon the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes to us in our baptism, comes to us through our confirmation, strengthen in our confirmation, comes to us through prayer. And so we can train ourselves in the virtue of courage in that physical, natural sense, but also train ourselves in the virtue, the gift of the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit for the gift of fortitude so that we can hang in there. Now, as to the two saints, and you'd think they're so different because today is the Feast of St. Juan Diego. Now, Juan Diego was a Native American living in Mexico, was now Mexico. And in fact, he was born before the Spaniards ever came. He was a middle-aged man. He was about my age when Our Lady appeared to him. And so here's this man. He's a poor man. He, his overlords are now Spaniards. And the lady appears to him and tells him to go to the bishop. A natural response would be, who am I? And is a bishop going to listen to me? I don't even speak his language. But St. Juan Diego was so attuned to the will of God that he had the courage to do so. To do this thing that most of us would have felt like, I'm not going to do this. He went to the bishop, and because he went to the bishop, there was the miracle of the tilma. Uh, Our Lady wanted the message to be, to be presented to the bishop, and uh, Juan Diego uh, had the courage, the fortitude, to go ahead and do this. A very different sort of fortitude and courage we might think of more like what we often think of as courage, that fortitude in battle, is the Old Testament saint, that our Jewish friends will be particularly celebrating in a couple of nights here. Uh, actually, I think it's tomorrow night is the beginning of Hanukkah. And this is in our Bible, the story of Hanukkah. You know what happened? There was a pagan king. He was uh, in, in Antioch in what's now Syria, but his kingdom included the Holy Land. And he decided, I want all of my people to be on the same page, and they're all going to worship my gods. Problem is, the Jewish people weren't going to do that. And so uh, he invaded Palestine. He forced, uh, tried to force the pa this pagan Greek religion upon the, uh, upon, um, the Israelites, upon the, the, the Jews. He destroyed their, or desecrated their temple and turned it into a temple to his god Zeus. Um, and Judas Maccabeus and his brothers. 
raised uh, an uprising against that. And they were ultimately um, successful through the, the help of God constantly. If you read the book of First and Second Maccabees, Judas and his brothers are constantly invoking God before they go into battle. And Hanukkah celebrates the day when they had recovered Jerusalem and they went into the temple and the temple had been desecrated by the pagans. And so there was the miracle that they only had, they have to purify the temple, but the, the, the candlestick that needs to be lit in the Holy of Holies, they only had enough oil for one day. But they lit the candle anyway in hope and prayer uh, for, uh, to God and the candelabra burned for eight days. And that's why Hanukkah is celebrated over eight days by our Jewish friends. And so we have two examples here, very different ways of living out courage. One is that natural courage, the, the, the courage to do something extraordinary in an, in an ordinary kind of way as Juan Diego did. But the other is that, that virtue of that fortitude to face up to real physical danger as Judas Maccabeus did. So God grant us uh, the courage through the gifts of the Holy Spirit to persevere and train ourselves in fortitude so that we can uh, um, grow more and more to be the people that he wants us to be.